Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Creative Process Podcast. I'm Isaac, I'll be your host, and um, yeah, we're just going to interview a guest and talk about their creative processes behind their expression of creativity. So today's guest is none other than Dom Kearney. What? All right, mate. How are we? I'm pretty good. It's good to have you, mate. Good to be here. It's a bit weird introducing yourself when we've been sat in the same room for like the last 20 minutes saying that. Yeah, saying at microphones. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Just for the audience, I know you as Hawthorne Dom. Can you uh, explain why I I know you as Hawthorne Dom? Yeah, okay. Um, well, when I first came to Holloway, I <laughs> I first uh, met up with, with the Christian Union. Yeah, we uh, we popped over to the pub uh, in, in the in Freshers' Week, had a meet-up with, uh, with the boys uh, living in the same halls as me, and um, got on to the topic of whether whether we were tea or coffee people. To which I, of course, replied, I usually drink coffee, but if I am to drink tea, I will drink Hawthorne tea. Hawthorne tea. And you make it yourself, right? You collect it, mm. make it, quick trip to the garden. It's a, it's a process of foraging, very identifiable leaf. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you're meant to sun-dry it, but I put it under the grill until it's dry, because it's way quicker. And then you uh, put it in a tea strainer, Bob's your uncle. Wow, well... Hawthorne Dom, or Don Kearney, a well-rounded man. Um, yeah, but without further ado, let's, uh, let's get down to, to the business of why we're here. I'd love to kind of hear how, how did you get into poetry? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a weird process for me, coming from a very mathsy background. My mum was a computer scientist, software tester. My dad was a chemist. Um, and I always, always, however, really loved film, uh, literature, storytelling, um, never so much poetry until I got to doing GCSE and got really into it when I got into the Romantic Poets, very cliche. So that's where I kind of started. And when I started writing, it was very much, I wrote with very much Keats style, which was a bit outdated. So we've adapted since then. And a few, a few years on, it's a lot more modern looking. It'd be great to hear about how you're finding uh, doing creative writing now at university. Yeah, sure. I think um, I think the first year was very, very much a general experience. So obviously you're studying literature alongside um, the creative writing side. You're, you're doing the criticism and the English degree uh, half of your course, which in one sense is definitely helpful because you're reading literature, you're reading poetry. Um, and also I've had the opportunity to learn old English as a language that we've We've gone back to kind of the roots of the English language, wow. which is really helpful when you're thinking about the words that you're using in your own work, um, particularly poetry. The creative writing side is definitely really helpful. So first year we did a course called Why Write, which was about literally the theory behind what creative writing is, why we write, why we tell stories. And, um, you know, we read loads of philosophers, theorists and other poets as well. Um, their kind of theories on why we write. Something that I've read this year, actually, in my course, which is about, uh, it's by a guy called Bachelard. Um, Gaston Bachelard was a French guy. He, um, he talked about a phenomenology of the soul and the mind. Phenomenology is, uh, it's a branch of philosophy which discusses 
kind of conscious experience like what is what is happening when we have a thought what is happening when we create something like have a have a picture in our mind that we imagine what is the imagination and and when someone uh, expresses something to us what is it that makes us understand it all that sort of stuff comes under phenomenology um, and he kind of specifies this to the field of poetry poetics and writing in general he he essentially was talking about this difference between the soul and the mind obviously Psycho psychologists and psychoanalysts very focused on the mind. The idea of a soul, though, is kind of not alien to them, but they try and try and scientize it a lot. So he calls the soul what someone like Jung or Freud might call the unconscious or the subconscious. And those are different things, but for this particular point, we can kind of regard them as similar things. There's a, there's a kind of a difference between the conscious, the mind, and the unconscious parts of us, the soul. Um, and, and, and whether you believe this soul like a spirit living in you or like, you know, you, you might have a ghost after you die, it really isn't relevant. It's, it's not really the, the point he's trying to make. Um, it's kind of this, this, this distinction between how we live in our own society and the things that are specific to our current living and the things that are kind of pre-programmed into human beings that like stretch back right from when human beings first began to exist. So the idea is, um, as Jung put it, that we have a collective unconscious. This idea that there are ideas that we all share as human beings and that those ideas aren't the conscious ideas, they aren't politics and they aren't, you know, our, our morals and our ethics necessarily. Um, they're kind of more like images and more like figures and people that we, that we expect to exist. The best example of this is the hero. Um, is like the main, every, every culture has told stories about heroes. Every culture has told stories with villains. You have things like wise old men imparting wisdom to the young people. But, but the, the key one is the hero, really. And, and that's what I try and focus on in my poetry, is this archetype of the hero. What Bachelard talks about is when we have an image in a poem, and we read that image or we hear that image, first, the first thing that happens is that it hits our soul. But we, we, we have to take a moment before we can really think about that image. And, and when, when we hear it and the connotations of that image are kind of hit us, it, it doesn't hit the mind first, it hits the soul. It hits the unconscious part of us. And it brings up all of human history and everything that's kind of pre-programmed into every human being. Our sense of beauty, I think, comes from that place. It's, it's not a conscious experience to think that something is beautiful. It's, it's more this unconscious, subconscious, whichever kind of idea of that is beautiful. You don't say, why is it beautiful? It just is. I think it's because it's, it's reflected in, in our kind of unconscious archetypes, like the things that humans are simply made to, to want to enjoy, okay. partly to do with, you know, perhaps man being made in the image of God. God is this great creator, and so we create because God creates. What do we create? Well, from the dawn of civilization, we weren't necessarily just making paintings. We were also telling stories. We've been telling stories since the dawn of man, and, and so we, we reflect God in that way. We have these archetypal stories that we love to tell about heroes. Well, you've just written a new poem recently. I have. Poem called Pinocchio. <laughs> it's called Pinocchio. This is a an exclusive, right? Yeah, because um, no one else wants to hear it. <laughs> no one else. No one else has had the pleasure of hearing it yet. Yeah, we'll put it like that. It'd be great for us to hear it, and then uh, I'd like to ask you a bit about how it was written, where the process began, sure. and 
and, and yeah, what it's about. So, um, yeah, if you'd like to uh, read Pinocchio. Yeah. I once broke. The toy shop blew to rubble. My appendages were neither here nor there, and neither was I. Woodwormed arms flowed wormwood blood. My veins, my sweet veins, my... O sippy cup, temptation second to the breast. I drank no sweetness from you, I cannot drink now. My tongue is firmly shattered, cockroaches give me split lips. First to frown at the foreigner, his French is not as good as mine. But I, observing peculiar carvings, forgiving all the Jacob's ladders and lasses that would drink me like a ball from a cup, procure my appendages, all tightly wound back on, and the splinters of arteries are whole again and flow with sweetest honey. Yo! Oh, I love that. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah, amazing. So where does writing a poem like that begin? <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, as I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, it begins, for me, with sound. With sound, yeah, um, you're saying. And that's kind of like, comes from this phenomenology, is that, that I want the um, I want the sound to to allow my subconscious to flow, to kind of let images come out, um, the images that I kind of have in my mind but don't necessarily know that are there. <laughs> and, yep. um, and, and when I just, like, let sounds flow, my mind will produce, produce the stuff that it wants to be in the poem. I have this big splurge on the page, stuff that sounds okay, sounds alliterative, rhyming, um, whatever it is. Obviously not much rhyming in this so, one. So these are really just big brushstrokes of ideas and sounds. Right, yeah. Start. And what they are are images. So yeah. it comes back to this this phenomenology. These images, I really want, I want these images to hit people um, in their soul before their mind can really comprehend them. And so for that reason, I have these images and they, they keep changing. These images kind of flit between each other and some of them might be vaguely linked, but essentially the sounds, the way that the sounds flow together, it doesn't give you really time to stop to think about why the images are there. Yeah. It, lets you, it's let, it lets them hit your soul but you don't really have to comprehend them. If I asked you why they should be there, would you be able to tell me? No. No. So that's the point that I'm trying to get across. It's like, th these images have hit your soul, so you like them. They're meant to be there, but your mind doesn't know why. This is nuts. I love this. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting. Right, so it's, um, it's, it's kind of like these, this image flitting that keeps hitting you with poetic images, and, and your soul loves it, and, it, and yeah. the sounds really help that to flow. No one knows what this poem is about. I don't know what this poem is about. I've yeah. called it Pinocchio because it starts with a toy shop. So this poem was not made with a meaning in, in mind? No. -uh. Um, it's, it's definitely flowed from this splurge that I talked about, this un unconscious splurge that I put right. on the page, and then I edit it to kind of craft it with a structure and make the sounds a bit tighter. Yeah. Um, you know, you wouldn't craft a table from your unconscious. You want to plan it out. Um, and and I, th I think a poem is still somewhat like that. Do, do all your poems, uh, do, you, do you write them without meaning or do you find yourself writing things with a meaning? If there's something on your, on your mind, does that regularly play a part or are you more of this kind of process you've just described? I think it can do. I think it's, it's certainly something that um, I've done in the past. Um, I wrote a poem called uh, Momentary Attention, which was to do with... I wrote it in response to how annoyed I was that no one has an attention span worth a dime these days because wow. of, of all their phones. Um, but it was still, like, partly sound-based. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
I have definitely in the past written written poems um, in between this style and consciously crafting mm. for a purpose. Um, but my last four or five poems haven't been uh, really consciously affected by my own ideas at all, except for perhaps um, the ideas that I talk about in, in my philosophy of art and creating creating the poetry like Bachelard and Jung and things like that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because I, I find that when I create, sometimes, yeah, it is a broad brushstroke, but in the finer tuning, I find meaning. Mm. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what my brain was saying. This is why I was right. saying these things. But you don't. Like, again, like, you've written this poem, you've fine-tuned it, you're at a point where you're expressing it with the world, yet you as the artist are not defining a meaning to it. Uh-huh. I think I certainly do draw meaning from it. Okay. Um, but I think I didn't mean it to be there, or my conscious mind didn't mean it to be mm-hmm. there. Um, if there's meaning there, it's because it's it's stemmed from this deep unconscious of mankind. It's from my pre-programming and not my, you know, not the not what the world has shown me. It's what, what history has shown man. You've mentioned how doing a creative writing degree has actually really helped you kind of unlock creativity in you and you can kind of see a lot more and think a lot more about what you're creating. Mm. What do you find holds you back? For example, if we had a listener who is quite inspired by this idea of maybe creating poetry, what what are the things that you feel like can hold you back and stop you from creating in that way? Yeah, well, people always talk about writer's block. You could write a whole phenomenology about what writer's block is, but I think it's um, people people often try perhaps to plan too much, I think. Okay. People want to have every single thing planned before they before they write their poem. Um, try and make their their poem this feat of architecture. I prefer to make my poems a bit more like a garden, where you plant the seeds and see what they grow into. Sometimes you have to sit in front of a blank page for a while. Right. Um, make an effort to write. Don't don't let the fact that you have writer's block stop you sitting in front of the paper and trying. Mm-hmm. Um, if you write something bad, just scrap it. You don't have to like feel ashamed that you've written something bad you have to write 10 poems to have a good poem because a tenth of the things you make are actually the good things that you want to that you want to show the world and that's okay yeah um, you want to show the, the people the best of what you can do and not the worst of it sometimes you'll you'll think that something's bad and you'll read it again and it's not that bad and you can edit it you can edit it and edit it until it's something you're actually kind of proud of just don't be afraid to commit time to it um, you're going to need to commit time to it if you want to get good. It's, yeah. it's like anything you have to practice. People people act as though poetry is some kind of um, gift of the gods and you have to be given this divine talent to be able to just express things in beautiful ways. It's not true. Um, read poets so that you have inspiration and, and, and a sense of style that works um, and go from there and build your own style out of that. That sounds amazing. And, uh, and yeah, I hope that really kind of opens doors for people who want to look into poetry. Mm. Well, Hawthorne Dom, Dom Kearney, it's been a pleasure to have you on. It's been a pleasure to be here. This pilot episode of the Creative Process Podcast. Looking forward to many more. Dom, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming here. Yeah, thanks for having me here.